Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Remembrance Day edition of Got Your Back NHL. Today, the day where us Canadians will pause in a moment of silence to honor and remember the men and women who have served and continue to serve Canada during times of war, conflict, and peace. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your service. Today is the day that we remember. Today on the show, while Jack Eichel, holy smokes, you know, his return to Buffalo in March didn't go so great. How about last night? What are we going to call that? Revenge? Redemption? All of the above? What a night for the former Sabres star. Calgary Flames continue to struggle. Oh, rattling off loss after loss. What's going on with the Flames? The Oilers? Jack Campbell also continuing to struggle. A tough outing for Campbell. And another night where he was shaking his head at himself. On the bright side of that whole situation, Connor McDavid absolutely shooting the lights out. We'll be joined by Mike Johnson today on the podcast. This has got your back NHL edition brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. We remind you, Cross Country Canada started back in 2014. Just four buddies who wanted to offer rentals and supplies to the industry that they knew and were passionate about. With just a garage and a folding table, they had an idea with their connections. They quickly gained a reputation as the guys who could get her done. And they were growing so quickly, they were bought up by an American company. But you know what? They love what they did. And so they got together, bought it back. And now Cross Country Canada is so proud of the fact they're 100% Canadian owned, 100% Canadian employees. They got multiple locations across Western Canada, over 100 employees, and have diversified into every area of the construction industry. As we say, good morning to Pierre Lebrun and Mike Johnson. Guys, we're going to get to Jack Eichel in a minute. Um, I want to talk about Trevor Zegras, though, because at the end of the podcast today, Pierre, we're going to replay the rapid fire we did with Trevor Zegras. But, Johnny, you weren't on this interview. Pierre, before we did the interview, the Ducks kind of said to us, like, ah, you know, maybe let's not hit on the Michigan stuff too hard. He's, he talked a lot about that. Can we give him a bit <laughs> of a break from the Michigan stuff? And we sort of laughed and we said, ah, we got lots of other things we need to ask him. So, sure. So, we didn't ask him about anything Michigan-related. Pierre, and what does he do the next night? Yeah, and uh, of course, it, it actually doesn't go down in, in the official record book because of the dumb offside video review of a play that was like 29 seconds before he uh, did his magic again. Don't get me going on that. I'm going to start ranting. But uh, I think he was inspired by his first appearance on Get Your Back. But <laughs> he honestly, was. I got to go do something special now. Out of. Yeah, uh, get the got your back bump that everyone's been craving. So I keep coming. I keep coming back looking for it, but it hasn't happened for me. That's the problem. Well, you no, actually, home. actually, MJ, uh, let it let it be on the record that uh, the Flames haven't won a game since Brad Treerling came on our podcast. Ooh, so there, yeah, there's the opposite that, bump yeah. as well. Don't, yeah. don't articulate that one. That the ease with which he's picking that thing up and flopping it into the net, though, it's just becoming well, second nature, Johnny. And I think we sort of knew this was going to be the evolution. We did, although that one that what did not count the other night might have been its prettiest. Like oh. nobody around him, super clean. Everything. It was easy to kind of understand what he was doing there. The spatula sliding it underneath, and even the goaltender thought it knew it was coming. Zuccarello's diving, taking the bottom of the net away. I'm like no, no, it's going up under the bar. But it's wild that he's done it so often, and it's happened so often that like yes, we're all like oh wow, that's great. But it's not earth shattering. Stop the presses. 
got to run that every single highlight because we've seen it before. The same way. Do you remember, like, I think the first guy is like Merrick Malik when he did that through the legs goal on the shootout yep. seven, 18 years ago. Yep. And minds were blown. Now it's like, whatever. You know, when Rick Nash and Datsuk used to do it in between games, now Matthew Kachuk can't shoot the puck normally. All he does is shoot it between his legs. It just becomes a little bit more ubiquitous around the league. And uh, I think the Michigan, while more difficult and will stay rare, it won't be so, you know, unusual that uh, that, that would draw that kind of attention. Because you go to any 11 or 12-year-old boy or girl practice, they all can do it. Like, they yeah. can all do it, no problem. <laughs> so uh, the, the kids who are coming up, um, it's just part of their skill set that makes that's kind of normal. Pierre, you're coaching. And, and, can you uh, you can demonstrate that one for your kids? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, I I can tell you, I've seen with all three of my kids near the end of practices over the last couple of years, all because of Trevor Zegras. You'll see kids on the team. You know, when they have free time, they'll try to do it. I mean, that's the impact that this guy is having. And um, the the thing that I shouldn't say surprised me, and I don't want to pick on goalies, but you would think by now, when you're playing Anaheim and Trevor Zegers is on the ice, and I know that the play is so fast and you don't really have time to always, I guess, see who's on the ice. But if you're a goalie and Trevor Zegers is in the offensive zone, you got to have eyes behind your head at some point and, and literally be thinking about that. Do you not? I mean, I don't know. The problem here, pretty fast. Goalies play on their knees, right? So they're on the left yeah. post over here down. Even if they appreciated him, they get it get over and get all the way up, which is probably against right. their natural positioning. And then they kind but of that's there. crossbar. Right. You know, that spot little and if they fly into that corner kind of out of control, they might knock the net off, which could be a penalty, or knock them out of off balance, which, you know, wouldn't be good if it goes another way. So yeah, it's uh I'm I'm more surprised guys just don't hit the stick. Like just start swinging at the stick. As soon as yeah. he gets that puck at the, like I'm not trying to check you. My stick's not on the ice. I'm like fencing, trying to yeah. pick you off out of the air. But anyways, good problem to have, how to defend that, because he does it so quickly. I'll be interested to see the first time he does it, but goes bottom corner, because that's not showtime. <laughs> right. Pick the puck up and just slide it in bottom corner off your blade. I think the next evolution is, like, we've seen players pick it up and actually maneuver it around uh, while they're holding it and challenging, maybe turning your body away, kind of this lacrosse style. It's, mm. I think it's a ways down the road, but the kids are doing that too a ton. And we Shh. see, yeah. You know where it's coming? Yeah. On a shootout. So yeah. I, I'm not so sure that someone could pick it up while I check them from behind and control it up in right. the air. But on a shootout, you can skate down with a puck up like in the air and, you know, spin you around up and down, up and down, as long as you keep it below your shoulders and yeah. then release it below the crossbar. It I, That right. absolutely... Now, it will be hot doggy-ish, which I kind of love because that's a dumb term and it should be a compliment, not an insult. But I think someone will try that when their team is up, you know, 2-1 and they're the third shot or something. Like, it's not a do-or-die situation. That's coming soon. Yeah. It's pretty hard for me to believe you'll see it 5-on-5. Five five. You know, the back pressure in today's game, I mean, someone's on you in, in, in one second all the time. I don't know if you have time to try that, but who knows? I nominate Trevor Zegras on his next shootout opportunity. Uh, by the way, mm. the first guy that tries it better be the first guy that it works for. Because if someone tries to pick it up and starts whipping it around and the puck flies over the glass and out of play, we won't see it again for like three or four years before someone will be willing to try it again. So, so that's a bad work. attitude. That's a bad attitude. Old school. I've seen the guys overskate the puck trying to shoot it normally. 
and they leave yeah, but it. That's that, just leave- a goofy one-off, Johnny. To make the decision to try and right? pick it up, degree of yeah. difficulty, risk versus reward doesn't make sense. What's the scoring rate on a new normal penalty shot? 30%? What's the rate on being able to pick it up, spin it around all over the place? And Well, only the guys who no can do it would try it. I yeah. wouldn't try it, but like, you watch guys in practice. And if you happen to bobble it, you can always just reset and just go in normally. Like if you look for the can pick. You? Yeah, as long as it keeps rolling forward. Are you going to be willing to do this with it? Like, do, no, because like, that's move a it high stick. Or ju- yeah. Okay, so it's, and you're just picking it up and just carrying it in on your blade? Like what's the yeah, point of the that? Back and forth. Ryan, go to a 10-year-old practice. You know better than this. Go go, go call Robbie Shrimp. He'll show you how to do it from All back right. in the day. All right. We have too much stuff that has happened to sit here and talk about hypotheticals. <laughs> so let's get to the breakdown brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. Uh, PHL is the place to go to get yourself outfitted with your favorite sweater. Uh, they've got an awesome selection of team apparel as well. It doesn't end at jerseys. they got a wide range of hats and T-shirts, souvenirs, everything you need for yourself or for the massive hockey fan in your life. They also do a great job with custom skate sharpenings, making sure to get your wheels exactly how you want them. 16 locations across the country, pro hockey life, like you and like us, is obsessed with the game. And I bet if you ask nicely, you could get one of their employees to wear your gloves around for a week or two, Johnny, to to break (laughs) them in. He's He's never going to let that go, MJ. I mean, you should have never (laughs) dropped that one. You know, the thing is, I am completely not embarrassed about it. Like, I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, we know that about you. We know (laughs) that you wouldn't be. I'm not surprised Mike Johnson's not embarrassed by that. Do you do the same with your golf club? Like, you can't break in a new Uh, golf club on the first tee? Do you have to have, you know, somebody else? It's all supple and soft. It's because my my hands are so so gentle. I couldn't, you know, rough them up with a tough new glove. I will say, I've seen MJ on a golf course. His hands are soft. The man do, can play golf. I will you pull you a fresh golf glove out of the packaging and wear it, or do you have your, your kids wear it around or ask someone else to? <laughs> no, no, I, I can go with the fresh golf glove, but, uh, you know, as long as it's not stiff. But if it's like an old one, then I might just go get a brand new one. I need it to be soft. Oh, Can't be hard. Um, no calluses levels, on these hands. Ooh, the, levels no of, the levels of maintenance from the greatness of Mike Johnson. All right, let's talk about Jack Eichel. And guys, I think mm-hmm. in order to in order to properly frame this, we need the backstory a little bit here. Of course, we all know the injury that he had, the discrepancy with the team, the prolonged trade demand, how long it took to actually get done. He makes his return in March to Buffalo. And it was not a good night for Jack Eichel. I want to remind you quickly what happened in that game. Uh, the Sabres ended up, um, winning that game. Peyton Krebs scores the first goal, which there's some poetic justice there. I don't know if you guys recall this. At the end of the game, with the net empty, Jack Eichel bobbled a puck on the blue line, lost it, got past him, and who went and put it in the empty net? Tuck. Listen, it was a tough return for Jack Eichel to Buffalo on that night, and you will recall post game. these are the things that he had to say. Are you surprised at the level of uh, intensity of the crowd? Just about the loudest I've heard this place ever. <laughs> really, after after uh, it only took seven years of me leaving for them to uh, get into the game. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was mixed. Uh, you know, it was a nice tribute, and uh, you know, um, there was plenty of people here that were supporting me, and there was plenty of people here that were booing me. So uh, they must just be booing me because they wish I was still here. I don't know. Okay, so fast forward to pre-game before his next game in Buffalo. This was yesterday afternoon before the game. He's asked about those comments. I'm just like anyone else. I'm a human being, and it was emotional for me. Like, it was probably for them, and um, maybe I was a little bit hurt. Um, and that's probably why I said the things I said. But, um, 
you know, listen, that's all in the past now. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, I wish I didn't say, you know, I just don't think there's enough time for that. Like, So now we fast forward to the game. It's a tight game. It's back and forth. Eichel has missed a couple of breakaways. Not that tight. Up, that wasn't that tight. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Eichel yeah. ended up, you know, Eichel ends up with a hat trick. A three goals and an assist. We see the celebration. Johnny, this entire sequence of, of events, I mean, that had to feel pretty good for him to redeem himself in front of that crowd the way he did after the way all of this played out. Can you feel my smile radiating through the screen? Like, I, I love it. You're loving I this love stuff. I love it. Like, any, fan, any player who has a moment like that, and it's not about sticking it to the fans. I actually quite admire the maturity that he showed in the morning. Like, he acknowledged, like, I was being petty because I was hurt. Yeah. Okay. Like that's a very human reaction that we all probably would feel when you've given yourself to a city and organization, and they boo you when you come home because you got hurt. Like you know, I I thought that was a nice kind of way of acknowledging what he did and moving forward. But you know, burning inside, he wants to give a big. You know, yep. like I'm showing everyone here, which he essentially did when he scored the goal. It's like, yeah, bring it on, people. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Yes. His arms so, in the air, right? And it's a special kind of athlete that can take a stage like that where you know all eyes are on you. You know you want it so bad. You know they want to not let you get it, and you still come up with a performance like that. Pierre, to me, that was awesome. I love any sort of redemption player getting the best of anybody, anything, organization, fans, whatever. I was uh, happy to see him be successful last night. And I, I love the fact that he's okay playing the role of the villain. I mean, I often say the National Hockey League is really the nice hockey league. It's, it's a league full of nice guys, of guys not wanting to say the wrong thing and guys not wanting publicly to anyways. The yeah, publicly, of course. Mm -hmm. But that's my point is that I love that he's comfortable in his skin. And, you know, he's, he's scored and he's given it to the crowd. Love it. Love it. I mean – you know, I, I'm a huge football fan, as you guys know. And when a former player goes really? into his former stadium and scores a touchdown, let's go. I mean, that's what you love about sports. And I think I, I think it's refreshing. And, and, and I think that he's comfortable being the guy that's willing to play that role. Whereas a lot of a lot of the superstars, I think, in the league would would, you know, maybe put your head down after that goal and, and, and go through the right things. And I'm sure a lot of people respect that, too. I'm not. But I love the fact that there's a personality there with Jack Eichel, and he's okay that this morning a lot of Sabres fans are giving it to him and not happy with the way he, he you know, he, he put his hands up last night. Too bad. That was awesome. Look, but part of Ryan being that villain is having the arrogance and confidence in yourself that, like, because by putting yourself out there, you know that if you're not successful – like it's going to come right. on even harder. And I think that's why nobody says anything because if it doesn't work out well, if you are the villain and then you lose, you get it 10 times worse. So you're right. you're risking a stronger backlash by putting yourself out there. So you got to there's always another game because there's always another game. Right. Right? There's always some, yeah. and, you know, with Brad Marchand's the same way. Like you got to try. Well, he's the poster boy. He's great at it. Yeah. yeah I don't right, know but, if I view but, Eichel, I don't know if I view him as villain status in this situation. And here's why. Had he made some sort of smart ass comments before the game? and thrown the gauntlet down and then gone out and delivered, I, I, I would view it a little bit more like that. Remember, the context that he made those comments, that was right after the game, right after mm. all of that had happened. And I, 
you know, it was it was very reactive and it was very remote, very emotional. I don't think it was planned. And and he was asked after the game last night about being the villain, and he kind of said, "I I don't really know." Like he, I don't think he was really buying into that. I like the fact that he owned his emotions after that mm-hmm. last game, and he handled this one with a little bit more what we would call hockey grace. Here he is post game. Yeah, it felt good. I mean, uh, had a couple of breakaways, and you know, you guys were here. They were obviously on me all night, and. Um, yeah, it felt good to get one. Uh, it was a big point in the game for our group. and No kidding, it felt good to get one. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Underselling it. It felt this? pretty good. I, I know, but great by the way, so, I felt okay. I, I don't he know was, if you guys were watching, but at the end, because the game was out of reach by then, but but I was watching to see if you get the hat trick, and I can't believe how we got it. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at the clock and saying, oh, well, I guess I guess that's it. And where he scores that empty header from, that's one of the more spectacular net goals I've ever Basically seen. behind his own goal line. He went all the way down the ice, lofted it up and down. Johnny, do you mind guys going for that uh, with the oh, empty no. net? Or is it, I mean, that's one of those things that a lot of people, you know, traditionalists might frown on and be like, hey, just, just lob it out the center. Just, get out of here. Beat it. it. <laughs> beat it with it. that garbage. Fuck off. Who cares? <laughs> when, you, uh, when you get to the NHL, you turn down the hat trick goal then if that's how you're <laughs> so wired. Like, come get the... Get out of here. And if you don't want them to score an empty netter on you, win the game so you don't have to pull your goalie. Or check them harder so he can't score. Please. It's not grade school. Don't score. Take it every time you can. Do we have a beep function on our podcast, Ryan? Yeah, we might need it for Johnny today. We're we're, we're just like poking all of Johnny's nerves. Uh, So Jack (laughs) Eichel was careful what he said after the game. But Mark Stone had a media availability, you guys. And he laid it out there and said... I think what a lot of people who were watching that game would have felt. You know, you're getting booed every shift. Um, I don't know. It says a lot about his character. I know people here think it doesn't have character, but my God, we've seen uh, what Jack really is. And uh, he's carrying a big load for us. And for him to be able to do that tonight, I know it's it's special for him. I'm almost getting emotional just being a part of it. Nine goals, 10 assists, 19 points in 15 games. You hear a comment like that from a heart and soul player like Mark Stone. Jack Eichel is back in a big, big way, Johnny. And Vegas is a wagon. Holy smokes, is this team playing well? They are incredibly, incredibly good. I've seen them twice. I've seen them kind of take control of the Leafs twice, um, who are, you know, a decent team themselves. And they have Jack Eichel now is the guy that they traded for. He wasn't that guy last year. As he right. remember why he left Buffalo because he wanted uh-huh. to take control of his own medical situation and his medical mm-hmm. future. So remember that is this this whole backdrop um, of this conversation. So um, he's this number one centerman they've always needed. That allows the triplets to fall underneath him and be really good as a second line. And then their defense core, like not only are they very good, and Bruce Cassidy has them playing in a typical Cassidy fashion where they don't give up anything around the slot, protect everything. But they're huge. Like, they're all physically large guys. Shea Theodore, I think 6'2", 195, is the smallest guy in their defense. Everyone right. is big, heavy, and can move. They're hard to get stuff against. And that's why, you know, they don't have goalies that have a great set, a lot of experience. But they don't, you know, they protect them so well that uh, they haven't needed that just yet. So, yeah, they are legit. They are back in a big way, fast, physical, and no fun to play against. Yeah, I mean, just having positive health re- regression was going to be a, a big thing for them this year. They led the league in man games, lost last year. But that includes Jack Eichel, who was never himself, as, as, as you mentioned, MJ. But I will also say that I still believe, and I, I wrote a big piece with Kevin Adams on the Sabres last week. They haven't won a game since, by the way. Um 
But I think I think that this trade, as corny as it sounds, because I actually think it's extremely rare that this is true, but I think this trade will end up being beneficial to both franchises. I mean, Alex Tuck is already a guy that's fit in unbelievably well on that team, Peyton Krebs, other assets. Um, they love the kid. They took Oslin in the first round. They got another second-round pick coming in next June's draft. And they've clearly created a culture on this rebuilding Sabres team where, where everyone has bought in under Don Granato. So it, it, it's okay that two things can be true at once. Last night it was only true for yeah. one team. But o- over the longer term here, I honestly think we'll look back at that blockbuster as saying both teams can live with that. Hey, Johnny, what, mm. what, uh, what should we set as the limit per podcast that Pierre's allowed to mention he wrote an article in The Athletic? <laughs> well, like, what do we think I it mean, should be? He was five. Last podcast we did together, he was five well, mentions of an article. Well, I mean, I mean we'll call our... I, We'll call our friends at the casino and set the over under. Like it's got to be four and a half. Like, <laughs> I, and I'm taking the over. We need a sound effect. We need a sound effect for when he does it. No, no different than how many times you tell me to tweet about our podcast every day. Yeah, I, I got. I, hey, I have to stop hey, from the subscriptions at the athletic, buddy. Like, come on. I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal. You keep tweeting. You can mention the athletic in your articles as, as many times as you want. Uh, Buffalo Saber fans. Probably, I mean, listen, losing Eichel, sure, it has to sting. But if there's anything making him feel better, how about Tage Thompson? How about the goal he scored oh. last night? He's got 10 goals, 18 points, 14 games. He makes $1.4 million. And even next year when he bumps up to 7.1, people kind of raise an eyebrow a little bit at that deal. But holy snap, this guy, it just keeps scoring beautiful goals at six foot seven. Snap is right because that's his shot. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it's – and I was one of the guys, Shoggy. I'll be out here. Like, when he signed that deal, I'm like, hmm. hmm. Right. That seems bullish mm-hmm. on Eyebrow his raised. upside. Yeah, if I could bullish. do that like The Rock, I would. That feels but, like, bullish. You know, I was I was like, I don't know if that – like, you know, will he be a 30-goal scorer? Because yeah, like, he's coming off 38, right? Right, but, but it's more like he's coming off like 35 in the last 60 games. Like, he was yeah. on a, almost a 50-goal pace at the end of last yeah. year. And I, I didn't know if you could count on him. You're paying him to be like a point-of-game player and close to a 40-goal scorer. And I didn't know if he was that. I didn't know if he could do that again. So far, I've been proven wrong. Now, a six-point night certainly would help. But listen, they all add up um, at the end of the year. But what's neat about him is that for as big as he is, like he's graceful. Like he moves around the yeah. ice with the puck like someone who is shorter, like someone who was a – average size player like myself or you know five ten to six two there is a a lankiness and an awkwardness because of the length of the stick that you use when you get tall that makes He's it not hard awkward to no yeah that's what i'm saying like you nailed like, it that's and it. i have to like and i have to like i want to go check his stick out because i want to see if he has a tight like a high lie because like you know he's so good at getting it in and around his feet even though it's really long i wonder if the lie is really high but that's unusual. Like we see big guys who can play and big guys who can skate, but the smoothness, you know, and the and the grace that he plays with is unusual for a guy his size. It's beautiful to see, and so far, I guess uh, it looks like it's going to be a good deal. I didn't think, I wasn't sure, Pierre. I was one of those guys I wasn't sure, but he looks like the real deal again. Yeah, I I, I was surprised by the number in that extension, and now I think it's already a bargain. So how quickly things can change. And by the way, John Butchagross, our, our pal from ESPN. Uh, insists that he's actually six foot six after having checked i don't mm-hmm. know i i'll i'll i'll, I'll trust Pucci well, we'll ask the savers yeah. but but um the thing about it, if you look at his second goal last night i think it was his second goal i mean i get your point about how graceful he is mj but 
that second goal, and I forget which defender he went around, but he basically <laughs> he just took a straight line to the net and put the puck under the bar. And there wasn't a lot of interest in getting in front of him, I guess is the way I would put it. Well, and I, think, I don't know, Pierre. Well, hang on, hang on. Like, we, like Tage Thompson, a lot of things. Scary is not one of them. Like, let's, let's, Boy, you know, let's keep it. A, like, that was a beauty. Like, scary with know. his skill. But like, no one's backing off him saying, oh, God, here comes Tage Thompson. It's Eric Lindros. I better watch myself. It's like he might just be faster and bigger and could shoot it better. Yeah. But I, I don't know if, if we're going to, you know, he's a lot of things. And he's awesome. Intimidating to play against because of his physicality is probably not one of them. Takes up uh, a lot of yeah. space, right? He comes through the middle of the ice and he takes no, up no. a lot of space. Hard you almost got to gotta choose. You almost got to choose. Like, scary. Listen, yeah, yeah. Connor McDavid is hard to play against. He's terrifying, but he's not scary. Physically yeah. scary. I'm just yeah. saying, Tay. Just you know, I don't know. Right. If, you know, the fact that he's willing to use that frame, get to the net, and then has the hands to make that shot. Yes, yes, yes. Crazy. But I don't skill. think anyone's. I don't think anyone is backing off him because they're scared of him. Uh, to the Calgary Flames, hmm. This uh, this has come off the rails in a real, real bad way. Uh, I don't know where we want to start here. Actually, I know where I want to start here. Let's start with Daryl Sutter being grilled by the media on Jonathan Huberdeau. Coach, what has uh, Huberdeau been able to provide? I think it's a work in progress. What does he need to work on more? He's a good player. Being a good player consistently. <laughs> Being a good player consistently. And there was even another follow-up. Well, what does he have to do to that to do that? And Sutter kind of went, listen, we're not going to talk about individual players. That was as far as he was willing to take it. Uh, there's an injury there. So there's the Huberto issue, but then there's also the Flames in general. Uh Pierre, what do you think, man? Like this is this has come off the rails. Some of the new pieces are yeah. fitting, some clearly are not. And I think everybody feels like the Flames are better than this. A pile of one-goal yeah. losses. It's funny, you know, uh, Ron Hextall made this point to me earlier this week where the Penguins were winless in seven, as you guys know. And, and this is coming off a loss at home to Seattle. And Ron Hextall said, sometimes there's a loss before you break your streak where you start to see the signs that you're going to get out of it. And he felt that happened for Pittsburgh last Saturday against Seattle. I saw those signs for Calgary last night in Boston. Brutal place to try and end a, a winless streak or a losing streak. I don't know which one they're on. Um, they played. They had some really good moments. Some pretty tenacious. Had a lot of the puck last night. I watched a lot of that game. That felt like the game to me that you have before you have the next step, which is winning. So I actually, if, if I'm Daryl Sutter and Brad Tree Living, I actually feel a lot better today than, than I would have before that game last night. My concern is this, and you're right, Pierre. You're absolutely right. And there's also games when you're on a winning streak, you're like, we're going to start losing soon. And you know it because like, your game right. starts eroding and it gets away from you. You know, that kind of roller coaster goes back and forth. Who played in that last night for Calgary? Not Markstrom. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know what's going on in Alberta and their goaltenders, but, you know, he's got an 893. Uh. We're coming up on 20% of the way through the season. He's better than that. I expect him to be better than that. But until he gets playing better than that, that's going to be a bit of an issue. So I'm not a goalie coach, but I, you know, he just doesn't look as good as he should. The other thing to me, though, and, and I think this is the bigger, more involved issue, is how to integrate Huberto, an immensely talented player who cares a lot. Like he's not packing it in because he got like, you know, he cares. He wants to be great. But the idea, and I think a lot of us shared it, was, you know, you can put him in for Johnny Gaudreau. They're the same kind of style player, right? Pass first guy, mm -hmm. want the puck, left hand shot. Of course, it's going to work with 
Lindholm, the way it worked with Gaudreau and, and Kachuk. And it, and it hasn't. And I think maybe we discounted how much that first line last year made that team go. They were one of the best five-on-five five lines we'd seen in years. All four of them with 40 goals, all of them having career years, and drove that team every single night and set up everyone else for success. And when that team does, that line doesn't go because two of them are gone. And Lindholm has started the year, of, you know, as though he's missing his line mates from last year. Um, that 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 trickles on down where it makes it harder for everyone else, even though everyone else, you know, Kadri and the rest are, are are good players. Um, that first line was so good last year, Ryan. I don't know if we considered how much of a void they would leave if if Huberto and Lindholm didn't yeah. click right away. Mangiapane, a couple of goals only this year. Dylan Dubé, one goal. Uh, The contributions aren't necessarily coming from some other areas uh, either, and that's going to put more pressure on the top guys. It's been a great fit with Kadri. We all know that. 12 points in 13 games. And with Daryl Sutter, it's like when things are going well, it's comfortable because you're winning. When it's not going well, I think about the two comments that he's publicly made now about Huberto. The first one about the reason why he left the bench (laughs) – and we all kind of cringed and thought, yeah, that must have been awkward for Huberto. And then this one about what does he need to work on while well, being a good player consistently. Um, it, it, you know, when things are bad in Calgary and you have a coach like Daryl uh, Sutter, I just, it feels like it might be that much more uncomfortable in a pressure packed situation. I want to move on to the Edmonton Oilers and Jack Campbell. We heard his comments about his play being pathetic uh, three games ago after that game. Bounces back, has a really strong performance. So Jay Woodcroft decided to go back-to-back games with Campbell. Not on back-to-back days, but he didn't shift back to Skinner. Wanted to ride the confidence wave for Campbell. Put him back in, and it was a disaster last night again for Jack Campbell. Multiple mistakes, and to be fair, his team was no good. They're terrible. They did not take care of the puck. They bailed uh, on him multiple times through that game. So he's not the only issue. But in focusing on Campbell here, Johnny, this is two out of three that have been really bad. The numbers are just just atrocious. There's no other way to say it. 4.27 goals against and an 8.73. Ouch. Yeah. So here, here's the concern is, you're right, last night specifically, the team wasn't very good in front of them at all. So like you put anyone in there, they're going to have a bad night. He didn't help the, the issue, but he, it wasn't solely him. But if you go all the way back, let's say to like January 1st last year. Now, I know he played through a bit of an injury at times. I think that hurt him um, down the stretch in the the regular season. But he has a sub-900 save percentage coming up on nine months of hockey. So is he the guy who was an all-star the first three months? Or is he the guy that has kind of been a 900 goalie the last six months that he's played in the NHL? And and the the Oilers don't need him to be an all-star. They just need him to give give him 9-10 and give him to him consistently. And to think the reason they signed Jack Campbell because they wanted to get off the, the roller coaster, roller coaster of Smith and Koskinen, yeah. and 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 they're right back on it, even more so. So um, I, I don't, I you know, he just he's so hard on himself when it doesn't go well. You almost wonder, like, is it make it more difficult to to get out of that rut because you're just beating yourself up so much? But it's a problem, and I think it was a concern. You know, the idea that he would just walk in and be a 930 guy like he was to start last year in Toronto was, was I think, a, a reach or a hope, uh, Pierre. I, I don't know, like, where they go from here. To me, I think they just got to play Skinner more. Like, they just got to play Skinner right. more and let him work his way through it in practice and work his way back into it, into games slowly. 
He's the backup now. He gets one out of every three. Skinner gets two until he starts playing well enough to flip that. Yeah, and I'm not comparing Jack Campbell to Carey Price, but as you guys know, whenever Carey Price would hit a rut, he would actually vacate the net for a bit and reset with his goalie coach and have a little period there where he wanted to go from ground zero, right? And I wonder if that's what Jack Campbell needs here. Not every goalie is fit that way. Some goalies want to battle through in the net. But going back to some of the things you said there, MJ, I mean, it's not like we didn't talk about this last summer when it was happening, but sometimes there's so many things happening in the offseason at the same time that you don't take enough time to think about it. But what do you put into the fact that the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have the most pressure of any organization in the entire NHL to win a playoff series, didn't go the extra mile to sign Jack Campbell, essentially because of a disagreement over term, but didn't go the extra mile to sign a guy they knew enough and who won enough games for them and rolled with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov. I, I, I always go back to that in that either Edmonton knows something or Toronto knows something. Like, and maybe Edmonton's fine that if they're if they're going to regret the fourth and fifth year on Jack Campbell because of injuries or whatever else, so be it. As long as Edmonton wins a cup before then, and I'm fine with that. I I think that's how you sign a lot of players if it gets you to the promised land. But someone is going to be really wrong here between the Leafs and the Oilers, and I think it's fascinating. Yeah, mm. interesting. Interesting to think, but. I think part of it, you know, you're, you're, I think you might be onto something there, but I think there's also the element of Toronto trying to set themselves up for two years from now and being as flexible right. as possible. So yeah. there is that part of the term discussion, not just do we trust Jack or do we want to commit to Jack, but also like we want nothing on the books two years from now so we can right. throw all the money at, at Nylander and at, at Austin Matthews. So uh, that would be mm -hmm. part of the equation, but it's probably a more, a more complex issue than that. But uh, I mean, it's not like Jack... If it was a pressure thing, or he, he, like sure, Edmonton might be a smaller city, I guess, than Toronto, but it's not like it's a less pressured market. The people no. in Edmonton are incredibly passionate, maybe more so because yeah. you know the Oilers are the are the show there uh, in, right. in in Edmonton, and so it's not like he's gone to a place where he can just kind of keep it quiet. He's going to a place where he's going to be scrutinized heavily, and he's got to he's got to deal with it. And One of the things that was said tough. when they when they brought Campbell in was, "Listen, he has experience in the pressure cooker, right? Where else is it more of a pressure cooker than Toronto in net? Well, Edmonton in net might just be the answer to that. So here he is sitting I, in this pressure. I, I would argue Vancouver myself, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, at times yeah, for argue. sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see moving forward. But I do think that Stuart Skinner needs to get a few more nods than he has been. By the way, Johnny, your point on maybe taking a bit of a reset, or maybe it was Pierre. Pierre it was you and Carey Price. Uh, I'm positive Skinner will play tomorrow uh, in Florida. Then the Oilers have a stretch where they only play two games in seven days. And that might, they've got a bit of a team uh, bonding trip in Florida. Maybe that will be the reset that Jack Campbell needs. Johnny, I know you got to run here quick, but before we wrap this thing up, Connor McDavid. <laughs> uh, the quiz master and I were chatting about this, him this morning, pulling some numbers and such. If you go back to the tail end of the regular season last year, playoffs, and right now, his last 36 games, 77 points in his last 36 professional hockey games played. Unless you're watching on YouTube, you can't see Mike Johnson rubbing his eyes right now with amazement. Like, Johnny, I don't even know how to articulate. We don't see this level of domination in the game anymore. Well, we do. 
We do. We do, from, we do from him and maybe Leon a little bit as well. I mean, it's wild what he's doing. And also think of those most recent, whatever is 36 games you just said, the playoff games were in there where it's supposed to be harder to score. Yeah. Uh, apparently Word. not for him. And, yeah. and, I'm, and we're running out of ways to explain how great he is. But here's my latest version after last night's goal. So he, so it's an offensive zone situation. He finds open ice, which he is very dangerous when he gets and he starts attacking. I think it's Dehan. And Dehan, seasoned veteran guy, he's so good that defensemen and defenders can't even touch him, let alone stop him. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like yeah. he's fighting off checks to finish the goal. He's just going around them. He was and unscathed. Like, they, 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 no one gets a hook. No one gets a grab. No one gets anything. He's like, here he comes. There he goes. I did nothing, and I've played 700 games. <laughs> like, it's just wild he that gets he's through able traffic to on guys. Unscathed. Like, so clean, so uncontested, when everyone is solely focused on that guy stopping them, and they can't. It's amazing. And I don't care if the Oilers win or lose, but every night I'm like, I want him to score. I want him to yeah. score 75 goals. I mean, of course, he's probably not going to go to do that. But how about 92? Course, but maybe he might. How Listen, about how about 92 goals? I, I don't think <laughs> so. Go get, I, go get 65. Drum. Go get 70. Go get whatever. Go get 150 points, 160 points, like he did in the one shortened season where he was kind of on that pace a couple of years ago. It's um, it's it's amazing every single night. It's amazing when the Oilers play well or poorly. He always always is creating and always has some of those moments it's it's like nothing we've ever seen before in this current generation of hockey we've never seen anyone who can go around people the way he can uh, like i feel like i run out of words i mean the three of us have been around the nhl for a long time obviously mj you were obviously playing the league before you joined us on the dark side here you know, I, I caught Gretzky at the end of his playing career, so didn't get to cover his heyday. Same, you know, you guys didn't get to witness it in person either. But I've been there for a lot of big moments for Crosby and Ovechkin in the building. Uh, I've seen some incredible things. This is my 28th year covering the NHL. What I saw in person, the Battle of Alberta last year, in terms of Connor McDavid overtaking a series against the first place team, I've never seen. Like, yeah. I was sitting near Ryan in the press box every night of that series, and I just, I just froze because I didn't understand what I was seeing in person. And in person, it's even more dramatic than on the tube because you understand that he's already starting to go over there when the puck's over here, and then the next thing happens, and you're just mesmerized, including the way he ended the series. Yeah. And I just think – I hope no, no one's taking it for granted what number 97 is doing because it's, it's unbelievable. We always refer to him as the most highly evolved player ever in the game, right? The skill set, the way he does things. He's better at most things than anybody ever has been that's ever played the game. And to my eye, and I cover him here in Edmonton, we are seeing the most highly evolved edition of the most highly evolved player because he's continuing to evolve, Johnny. He's continuing to find ways to score goals that are a little bit different. He's continuing to evolve in his game. He's continuing to evolve in his leadership. A 7-2 loss last night. He came out and did media. He was upbeat. Uh, his messaging was on point. The one criticism that I would probably have had about McDavid over all these years is more off ice, just his presence and his persona and his ability to handle all of those things. He is Way better this season. I'm telling you, he's put effort into even being better at this. Mm. The most highly evolved player in the game is evolving right before our eyes, and it's really 
really something to watch. All right, Johnny, we got to get you out of here. So we're going to wrap the podcast. Thanks, boys. Appreciate your time. We'll uh, we'll do it again next week. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors, of course, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals and Pro Hockey Life as well. Just in case you missed it, we're going to wrap up the podcast today. We're going to go back to our interview with Trevor Zegris. We did a little rapid fire getting to know Trevor Zegris, courtesy Liberty Smart Security. Uh, here's that interview. Have yourselves a great day today, folks. And once again, on this Remembrance Day, we thank those who have served. Cheers. This is getting to know uh, Trevor Zegers via rapid fire. Here we go. Question one. Toast or cereal? Cereal. What'd you have today? What's up? What did you have today? Um, I had an omelet this morning. Oh, not bad. Did you do your dishes? No. <laughs> They're sitting in the sink right now? Oh, yeah. Uh, driving into the rink, tunes or talk radio? Tunes. Nice. Favorite TV show? You can't ask me that. I'm a big TV guy. I'd probably say all time, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Nice. Entourage. Have you watched House of the Dragon yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. Unbelievable. Like, might have been as good or better than Game of Thrones. Would, yeah, but the next, the next season's not coming out for like two years. I know. I was wondering I about that. The way it ends, especially. Yeah. Oh, no. so devastating. Fantastic. So good, though. All right, we're getting sidetracked. This isn't going quick enough. Uh, if you did not play hockey, you would be? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you want to pass. I don't know, honestly. I've only ever played hockey my whole life. Maybe lacrosse. <laughs> I played lacrosse a little bit growing up, so I guess that maybe would be an maybe fun. an actor. I see. I see a few of you guys are on the Mighty Ducks yeah. uh, game changers here. How'd you like that? Yeah, I'd be an actor. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, on one line. Oh, yeah, there you go. Fun. All right, next question. Uh, what annoys you? What annoys me? Um, so many things. Anything that Jamie's doing. <laughs> eating, talking. <laughs> the TV's too loud. He's playing video games so I'm sleeping. You're about to be doing his laundry for the next three months, buddy. You better get over that pretty fast here. Uh, one candy and only one candy for the rest of your life. What do you What do you pick? Reese's peanut butter cups. Good, solid choice. If, uh, walk on the beach or go jump in the water? Walk on the beach. Oh. Uh, one thing your brother regularly beats you at. Um, he's like a MMA, jujitsu, Muay Thai guy. So I'd probably just say like oh. anything like in the regards of like <laughs> messing around, <laughs> fighting, wrestling, you know, I guess normal sibling stuff. Any sort of physical altercation stuff you want no part of with him. No part of. Uh, <laughs> sneaky toughest guy on your team that nobody knows about. Sneaky tough guy. Troy Terry. Very good. And finally, if you could steal one thing from a teammate, anything at all, what would it be and who from? It could be a trait, skill. I'm going to go with Adam Henrique's facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> very good I don't know if we'll get or just getting old but uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Well, mustache in like two days really 
I've never seen anything like it before in my life. What's your what what do you have going on there? How do you do with the uh with it? With my facial hair? Yeah. I got a little Movember going, if you can tell in the light. nice right on hey listen uh really appreciate you doing this trevor uh i know you guys are busy but uh good luck the rest of the way and uh hopefully we'll have you back on again sometime soon awesome thanks guys appreciate it we want to tell you about a truly canadian company cross country canada supplies and rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the canadian construction industry But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that.